0: On SCC, the crew asked the question, is the sports card market in a bubble? Don't go anywhere. Find out right now. Only on SCC Sports Cards Culture. Welcome to episode 19 of Sports Cards Culture. I'm Chris here with Josh, Christina, and Nick. Quick programming note, we are changing the release schedule for Sports Cards Culture Episodes will now come out on Tuesdays. That's right. No more Friday night episodes. Episodes now come out on
1: Tuesday.
0: Thank you to our friend who made this suggestion. So to kick off our new schedule, today's episode is actually a two-part series. So that's right. This episode is only half of the story you will need to watch next week's as well. The first part, today's episode asks the question, is the sports card market in a bubble And the second part asks the question, that's next week, what are the psychological motivations behind collecting? Now the connection between those two topics might not seem clear right now, they probably don't, but I believe that you will see how deeply related these two topics are by the time you've completed next week's episode. That's right, cliffhanger alert, you will want to watch both parts. Let's get into today's topic, is the sports card market in a bubble? Well, first of all, a short-form video like this can only scratch the surface. In other words, this will not be a truly satisfying treatment of this topic, so please lower your expectations accordingly. But this topic is important, and scratching its surface is better than simply ignoring it. So let me tag in Josh and Christina to set the stage. Christina, as you yes. go about your day-to-day life in the hobby, which often involves you talking to dozens of people per day, do you get the sense that other people, other people are worried about a bubble in the sports card market?
1: The, all the people I talk to in the hobby, uh, especially through Card Ladder, they're talking about long-term investment and collecting. They're not really worried. Uh, it it doesn't come across as if they're concerned about uh when they should get out or if they should mitigate the risk in that way
0: josh same question to you as you survey your network and as you engage with the hobby via social media do you get the sense that other people are worried about a bubble
2: i think for an actual bubble to occur you would need a lot of people to exit the market and kind of like panic sell and i'm A lot of the people that I talk to are still kind of running things as they normally do, you know, just still active in the hobby, trying to collect the cards they like, trying to buy and sell and trade. There's not really too much of a difference on that front. I feel like I would sense more people exiting. There's definitely some people taking gains, uh, but a lot of those people are taking that money and buying different cards or moving into a different type of the market.
0: That sets the stage because I think across those two answers, you can see that there's really not overwhelming concern about a bubble, but there is questions, questions about what is the state of the market? What's the health of the overall market? People thinking long-term, anybody thinking long-term is going to be curious about the long-term health of a particular market or industry. So now I want to back up. The first place to start with a topic like this is really defining the word bubble. Professor and economist Robert Schiller defines bubble as, quote, A situation in which news of price increases spurs investor enthusiasm, which spreads by psychological contagion from person to person, in the process, bringing a larger and larger class of investors, despite doubts about the real value of an investment.
1: Professor McGill has taken the stage. Nope, that
0: was Professor Schiller, actually. But Professor McGill would like to rephrase and trim that definition a little bit for the purpose yes, of the discussion that follows. Wait, you want to condense somebody else's? <laughs> no, I don't think you would want to <laughs> extend it. <laughs> I'm going to try. Uh, a bubble exists when irrational optimism leads to something trading at a price that exceeds its real value. One more time. A bubble exists when irrational optimism leads to something trading at a price that exceeds its real value. So there's three elements. One is an object trading at increasing prices. Two is news of these increasing prices leading to irrational optimism. And three are those increasing prices in excess of the object's real value. So all three elements are important, but to me, the third one is the most important is the price of the object in excess of its real value. And I think it's also the most difficult one to answer in real time. All right. Now, that's theory. Let's look at practice. Here are some examples of bubbles that have actually played out in sports cards. But let's be clear. Uh, bubbles form and burst in the market for individual cards all the time. This is not the same topic as whether or not the market as a whole is in a bubble. So with that in mind, let's look at Three. And the graphical representation of these three bubbles is truly a sight to behold. And if you've been watching the crossover with me and Josh, you've seen these graphics before. So these three graphs, which have become known as middle finger graphs, thanks to the brilliant work of Lameem James, tell the story of three different bubbles. The first was the Tops Project 2020 Ermsey Mike Trout. It was $20 upon release in April of 2020. It got a ton of investor attention. It skyrocketed from $20 to $2,500 in the span of a month. That's right, it increased 125-fold in a month. By June, the price had come all the way back down to the $600 range. And the card has traded at $600 to $700 ever since. The second bubble to burst in 2020 was the 2018 PRISM World Cup Killian Mbappe Base PSA 10 PRISM. The card traded in the $400 to $500 range in July of 2020. Around that time, investor enthusiasm erupted for soccer cards. In August, the card ballooned to prices in excess of, yet again, $2,500. By November, it had come down to the $600 range. It now trades at about $1,000 to $1,200. The third and final bubble that we'll talk about today was the 1999 Pokemon game Charizard Hollow PSA 8. The card could have been had for seven to $800 in September of 2020. Just a month later, in late October, it was trading for north of $2,500, the magic threshold. By December, it was right back down to the seven dollars to $800 range again. So we can see the three elements of a bubble play out in each scenario. There was increasing prices, news spread and investors got overly optimistic, the price surged beyond the card's real value, and then the bubble burst. And the card settled into its real value so josh let's talk about bubbles that we see form and then burst for individual cards why do these bubbles keep forming and then bursting
2: well because people are moving from one middle finger to the next they're jumping hills uh so like the first one was the tops 2020 and then yeah they're just making fingers uh they tops 2020 and then you said the <laughs> prism and then pokemon there's going to be another one right there's going to be like ufc cards or whatever they're just going to keep jumping from these different fads and the people who are selling at the peak and then trying to sell the optimism on it they're just going to forget about it and then try to resell you on new optimism of whatever the next peak is and so you got to just kind of again don't buy things when they 10x don't buy things just because a bunch of people are jumping on the the bandwagon because there's you know the fomo there and it's a, it's like a scientific feeling you're getting like I have to buy this card, everyone's buying it, but that's what you need to avoid for sure
0: that feeling it's it's such a a weird, tricky feeling because we we also feel that feeling with grails right there are there are certain cards that we feel that i when that card pops up, I'm going for it, but it's almost an art form to calibrate the way that you fomo to fomo about cards that make sense to fomo about. Does that make sense, or am I just off base here?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely rare cards that you know you can, you don't really have a choice. There's not like you have something else you can go after. So if you're Wanted to buy it, you might have to pay 10X, whatever the last sale was in some cases. But I feel like a lot of, even the rare cards recently, I'll see a copy come out, sells for an all-time high. People get really excited. And then they, they kind of make a statement about all cards similar to that, that they all have increased at that rate. And then some more starts to come out and the prices kind of go back down. Even on like some of the rare gold LeBron stuff that I collect, I've seen prices on those come back down recently, just because a lot of it has come to market. There's a few people selling their collections that have a lot of it. And so the prices have just started to come down. The people that really wanted them have acquired them. And now that the second and third copies are coming out, it's getting harder to find people who want to collect something that rare. So even on some of that rare stuff, it does have a limit.
0: Ah, that's such good advice too. Oh, I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole, but uh, I foresee rare cards becoming the next target of the investor optimism selling cycle. And what Josh just said is crucial, even rare cards can be susceptible to extreme market volatility because it's all about who's buying and selling them. And if you come in and distort the market with artificial demand that's not long-lasting, it can throw the whole thing out of sync for a while. Or similarly, on a much smaller scale, if supply ramps up in a shorter amount of time, uh, that can that can cause a price,
2: price volatility especially on the like serial numbered cards. I'm hearing some hype around that right now. And so like someone might sell you on like an orange prism or a mojo. You have to keep in mind there that when that happens, people are going to then want to justify the price of their similar parallel that's not the same serial number and try to inflate the value of those to equal it. And so then you have a massive supply increase uh, across the different serials and the different colors and things. You have to be careful there and make sure you're you're understanding which colors are the ones that people want to collect. <laughs> that
0: is amazing. That's a gold mine. <laughs> that's that's the prism gold of advice for today's episode. <laughs> Christina. Yes. You and I were big fans of Tops Project 2020. True. Still are. Yes. We thought the cards looked great and but what what we really loved was coming from the 90s, we loved how there was new cards that really were putting all the emphasis on the artistic dimension of the cards. Now of course that Ermsey Trout was $20 at release.
1: Yes, anyone could have bought it.
0: And while it is nowhere near its $2500 peak now, it has consistently traded at $6 to $700 for 10 months. Do you think the Tops Project 2020 Ermsey Trout has settled into its real value now that the investor silliness is several cycles removed?
1: Um in some ways I do, but the cr- the real amount for right now, I think this card will eventually trade for a higher price um as people add it to their collection and put it away like lock it down the people who are buying it now i think are not trying to flip it they actually do enjoy what that card represents to the hobby to the moment of 2020 when this came out um to like the like you said the like kind of step back and the uh, renaissance I guess of art in cards that this set represents um, so I think that eventually like people will be looking for this card and they won't be able to find a copy so it might trade higher but um, for right now I would say definitely this this card has maybe hit its ceiling at the moment
0: okay uh, and to be clear we never own the Ermzy trap no. did we no, no we wanted it but then it. you was... wanted it because i think it's the coolest project 2020 card okay
1: i'm a fan of the ted williams but that's fine
0: all right josh what do we do about these card bubbles is there anything we can do about these card bubbles that seemingly happen over and over one hill to the next
2: this is like i give this advice every time but just don't as an individual, there's nothing you, there's nothing we can really do as a group. I don't think other than like self-policing, uh, people overhyping things and, and trying to create these massive bubbles and trying to point it out as much as we can. But as an individual, I think that as if we're all individuals, it's like saying, you know, how do we get everyone to start voting? Well, each person individually has to decide to vote. So each person in this case has to decide not to spend 10x what it was worth a month ago, even if they really want it, even if they think they're never going to get a chance at it again. You're probably you probably will, especially on those cards you described, like the Mbappe. The, the population was so high. There's there's just no way you're never going to get a chance at it again, right? And the other interesting thing I'm I want to I want to point out on those, and you guys are touching on it with the Urmsy, is that they go super high, then they crater all the way back down, and then they sort of like trickle their way back up, and then they sort of level out and find their actual price. So if I'm a long-term investor of those cards, or I enjoy those cards, I'm they're part of my set or whatever. I'm not even gonna look at that giant hill. Just ignore it. Just keep focusing on the, the upward trajectory and figure out how you can remove that blip from your from your mind and, and look at this thing uh long term and, and over the, the entire course of it. And we looked at like the 86 FLIR graph. You and I look at that all the time on the Jordan PSA 10. And if you look back to 2016, there's this little hill. And on the on the all-time graph, you barely even see it. But in 2016, if you zoom in, it was just total hype fomo hype fomo panic oh my gosh everything's crashing but in the long run it's it's barely a blip you're like what is that little tiny anthill in the middle there <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh that was just the great boom and bust of vintage cards knowing that 86 fleur jordan is technically not vintage but it gets lumped in that happened during 2016 where cars literally doubled and then halved in value over the course of six months uh, card letter does have all-time sales histories. That's one of the reasons we like to provide them, is so you can go back. And now using custom date range, you could actually only look at January 1st to December 31st of 2016, and you could actually look and get um, zoom in on that time span. Christina, I said earlier that I think, and I think Josh's comment speaks to this too, that the most important element in identifying or defining a bubble is recognizing when a card has exceeded its quote-unquote real value Mm -hmm. in your opinion and there's no right or wrong answer to this how do we know that a card is at its real value how do we know when a card has exceeded its real value
1: that's a great question (laughs) Uh, i think it's easier to answer the second question than the first Um, identifying the real value of a card is difficult and uh, my real value for a card might be different than someone else's, uh, but the fact of how do I identify, how do I identify uh, if a card is not a real value, if it's hyped right now, is something that I've said before. Um, you have to look at a card and be like, if I wasn't willing to pay X amount of dollars two months ago for this card, even though I liked it, I am not going to pay 10x that card today because everyone is talking about it. Um, And I think it really comes down to each individual, like Josh alluded to, um, and you did as well, Chris. Like, I think as a as a group, individually, we need to look at it and be like, okay, like we're not I'm not I'm not going to spend this money on this card at this time. And then if enough people <laughs> decide not to do that, then we'll see a real value.
2: Well said. Uh, Josh, same question to you. This is the actual answer. This is like, you should put this in the, in the fact book or something. The answer is the amount, the real value is the amount that a collector who collects that card is willing to pay. So what I mean by that is, uh, I actually have a really good example. So like, LeBron PSA 10 refractors and gold refractors. That's kind of my specialty. I'll use it as an example. I was buying, selling, trading those uh, at pretty, pretty like sustainable values—five thousand, four thousand, some up to ten, depending on what it was—for a long time. And guys that I'm collecting with in that range, we're willing to spend that. We're wheeling and dealing. We're trading. We're selling. I'm buying stuff at that. Uh, lately. It's, we try to make this big push on those, right? Like some of that stuff has come out and there's been a big push on that. Some of it's gotten up into 80,000, 100,000. You know, you're seeing these crazy prices. Uh, I'm trying to sell some of it for a friend right now and they're not willing to pay those 80, 90, 100K prices, even though some of those auctions have been that. And these are the same guys that we were doing this at 5,000, but they're willing to pay 30, 40, 50, 60,000. So they've raised their floor on what they're willing to pay. They still want to collect that stuff. They're still going after it. They want to obtain it. They want to own those things, most importantly, but they're still not willing to go quite as high as maybe some of these inflated prices. So I think to me, it's like that that range right in there. That's the real value. That's the, That's the one where these people who I speak to are actually willing to put their money down and pay for it.
0: This is the perfect way to end this episode and leave a cliffhanger for the next one. Today, we have defined what a bubble is. We've shown how bubbles form and burst for three different individual cards. But we didn't answer the question of whether the sports market as a whole is in a bubble. So stay tuned because next week's topic, which Josh just alluded to uh, and, and elaborated on, is about the psychological dimensions and motivations of collecting. And we need to really talk about what motivates collectors in order to answer the question of whether the market as a whole is in a bubble. So, in other words, the psychology of collecting is very important to identifying a sports card's real value, and we need to know how to identify real value in order to identify if we're in a bubble or not right now. So, stay tuned uh, for part two next week. This has been Sports Cards Culture, episode 19. Thanks for watching. Tell us in the comments section below what the crew should cover next week, and don't forget to subscribe. See you next time in SCC Sports Cards Culture.